right now, if you look at our industry, uh, Panther's a unicorn. It really is. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, agreeing to do this. I'm really excited. This is a pleasure. I'm excited you being here. I'm I'm really curious as a starting point. Um, the the business model, the the entity that is uh, PantherX, is a specialty pharmacy for rare diseases. And I think you know at, at a high level, a lot of people can grasp what that is. But I was hoping maybe we could start off uh, with the why. Why did this need to be made? Why was there uh, a gap that needed to be filled by the company you're building. You know, I've been in um, healthcare for over 30 years, and over time, um, we've seen progress in a lot of areas: cardiovascular disease, um, even some cancers. But the one area that became very, very apparent and continued to emerge are these rare diseases that, unfortunately, often don't even get diagnosed. And psychologically, for the people, they have all of these symptomato- all this symptomatology, um, their lives are devastated, and they continue to go to doctor after doctor, and um, unfortunately, um, many don't, but those who do, um, they end up in a, this small population of people that have a very unique and extremely rare disease. We're talking of populations, let's say in the United States, of under 2,000 people. Um, have the same disease state. Um, that's called an ultra-rare condition. And it's, um, unfortunately, there's a great deal of isolation around it. There's a great deal of stigma um, around it, particularly as people weren't diagnosed appropriately and they thought they had this, they thought they had that. And the beauty of what we've entered into is hope. And that hope is the ability to help these patients one, connect them through a community, and two, provide not only a life-saving medication um, that they never had or the disease state has never um, been approached with, but now there's hope for each and every one of them. So it's a panther rare is a unique entity. It's actually the only rare disease specialty pharmacy in the country and that um, basically does nothing but treat um, patients with rare diseases. So I can wrap my head around if if we're talking some of the largest pharmaceutical companies, part of their game is looking for scales. So we talk about something like cancer or heart disease that we know is you know one of the primary uh, causes of death, afflicts you know enormous enormous numbers. I can see why. Um, I guess that would be the reason why that they maybe missed this opportunity or didn't focus on this opportunity. Yeah, it's. Unfortunately, a lot of healthcare is about money, right? right. And, um, you know, yes, that's why there's been so much attention to diabetes, so much attention to cardiovascular disease, and, you know, the list goes on and on. But it wasn't until um, the Orphan Drug Act where Congress gave incentives to the drug companies actually to conduct research and try to discover. Um, cures and treatments for these ultra-rare diseases. Um, And the Orphan Drug Act, um, you know, there's been subsequent legislation to that 
that actually provided not only um, patent protections for the products that they develop, but also financial incentives for these companies to, you know, to invest incredible amounts of resources and money and effort um, to come up with an, a, you know, a, a drug or a, a gene therapy that's directed at only, maybe only a few hundred or a few thousand patients. Um, when so you talk about that patent protection, so part of my understanding is the way a patent might work for a kind of more mainstream drug is that maybe, and these are rough estimations, so you can obviously sure. correct me where I'm wrong, but there might be kind of a five-year window where that patented drug is kind of the exclusive domain of the developer, and then there's a transition period, and then generics are able to come in and effectively make that drug more accessible. But there is still that window where the company that's invested enormous sums into R&D can actually make a return on that upfront investment. Yeah, and most of those, let, let's call traditional medicines, um, are small molecules. And those small molecules um, can be easily replicated with generics. Um, nearly all of these entities um, are very complex, um, many of them being cellular in nature um, or being um, a unique process to develop them. So it's not as easy to develop a generic. On the simplest form, you've heard of generics, and then there's another term called biosimilars. Okay. Biosimilars means, well, it's close to it, but we can't say it's exactly it. Then when you get into some of the even more complex areas, um, you may never see another product. At, you know, It's not worth another company to come out. Well, with orphan drugs, um, up front, they give them longer patent protections, even though the drugs, nearly all of them, um, are so complex, it would be very difficult in such a small population for another entity to come in and get a return on investment. So this change in policy caused the change in science, caused the change in research. And what we saw is that you know, there are 7,000 rare diseases out there. And unfortunately, only about 5% of them have a treatment. So even though rare disease, if you look at the incidence in our population, it's, it's as common as diabetes. But what is not known is that 95% of all rare diseases have no treatment. So now we're talking about the number of treatments out there are in the five to 600 range, roughly, or 700. Um, it, you know, if you consider the progress we've made, even though it's only small incremental numbers, it's tremendous compared to where we were. So every year we're getting 20 or 30 or 40 new drugs coming out to treat rare diseases. And the whole focus of science is about um, treating smaller populations because we understand diseases better. It's not a shotgun approach. It's more of a rifle approach. So to help people wrap a little bit more sure. of their head around the business model of Panther Rare is a way to think about it almost like a a clearinghouse where a hospital or a health system knows that they maybe have this rare diagnosis and you're making that connective tissue to the fulfillment of the drug response or how is, is that an appropriate well, description? It, you know, it, it, it's more like this. Um, what we had historically were these big pharmas, the, these big Mercs and Pfizer's and GSK's. Um, but in the re this research area, we have these small biotech companies evolving, and there are many, many of these. So this is a new model, these small biotechs 
um, getting investment dollars to try to find cures. Um, now, when these small biotechs come to market, um, you know, they're a very small, small fish in a very big sea. Um, and they don't have the sophistication of the, of the big companies. Um, but what they need is a channel to link their life-saving product to the actual patient base that's out there and the physician base who's prescribing it. And that's what Panther is. Panther is that link between um, the innovator drug. So, um, and Panther has many exclusives with these manufacturers because they're such small population. Right. It doesn't make sense putting these very, very expensive therapies out in your retail pharmacies. People don't understand them. They're very expensive. They're very expensive to inventory. They're very complex to ship and manage. So Panther is the national rare pharmacy for the country right now. We're the only one out there. We're the only accredited rare pharmacy in the country. And um, we work with these manufacturers. Um, we end up with these relationships. And we then, um, patients and prescribers contact us to get the drug. Gotcha. And it's not just the drug, but we have nurses, we have dietitians, we have um, clinicians on board, and it's about the complete care. Because let me kind of tell you the, how this works. Where most rare diseases are diagnosed, they're called centers of excellence. And there are not a lot of these centers of excellence. There may be a hundred in the country. So that's maybe where someone gets sent after they've like, you know, went down 15 empty corridors looking for absolutely. a solution and it's Absol kind of the end of the road like here's absolutely so think of a, a mayo clinic a upmc a cleveland clinic uh, you know a duke um you know these are the you know the last stop where you know the really specialists who are so ingrained in the research that these are the ones who um as well as the, the diagnosis that these are the people that these individuals go to. So these hundred or so centers of excellence, people will travel sometimes hundreds, maybe a thousand miles to go to one. Um, if they're fortunate, they, they are able to identify what their disease state is. And these, these wonderful um, healthcare providers, you know, get them on that path. But now Panthers are the link when they go home between that prescriber, which could be hundreds of miles away, and them. So we, you know, we, we are in more frequent contact than many times than their prescriber's office. We're the ones dealing with them on a monthly, possibly even a weekly basis in managing their drug therapy and their progression of their disease. So this may be a silly question, mm -hmm. but um, kind of my background is more in a, a marketing domain and a thing that we look a lot at as a company are these CPG brands. And one of the things that got enabled by the internet was the concept of drop shipping. So mm -hmm. I, if I can effectively market, I can find the end consumer, then I can, you know, either, you know, set up a deal with a manufacturer on the other side of the world or wherever, and have them send the product that I sold to this customer directly to that customer. I never have to be um, actual middleware storage. I'm just basically playing, once again, that connective tissue between end user and the manufacturer. Are you operating uh, housing facilities, like you said, like to store these drugs, or are you just playing that connective tissue so that would get sent to the person who traveled a thousand miles? No, we're um, by state law. Um, we're still under um, the Board of Pharmacy rules and regulations. We're licensed in all 50 states. 
you know, we're in every um, insurer. Um, so, you know, our, one of our biggest objectives is finding resources for patients to be able to afford it. Yeah. Um, but no, we take possession of the product. Okay. And, you know, we have to screen each patient. Um, we have to go, and a lot of the effort goes in working with not only the provider, but also the payer and convincing the payer that the provider has done all the appropriate diagnostic tests. We have to go what's called a prior authorization. And almost every patient, we have to do this. It's a bunch of paperwork that the payer requires of us in order for them to pay for the drug. Because it's not one of their easy check mark. Oh, that definitely is a solution. For Absolutely. X. Correct. Interesting. Correct. But we take possession of all these products. Um, we distribute them from here. We have um, three facilities in Pittsburgh, one facility in Ohio. Um, and, you know, we, you know, some of the products are what's called cold chain. So they have to stay um, ultra, ultra cold. Um, they have a very limited expiration date. Um, and we have to assure it. I mean, we go to such extremes. One of the products we ship under that co that um, cold chain, but we also manage a smart refrigerator, which we ship to the house. And the smart refrigerator has a 4G enabled kind of iPad on the front of it. Wow. And every one of the um, products that are in the fridge has an RFID tag. So we know when it comes out of the fridge and goes back in. We know when that fridge um, deviates from its appropriate temperature, because if they don't get the drug that's, um, many of these are proteins um, that are actually intact um, and, and are good product, it could severely compromise their life, um, lives. Many of these products are life-saving. These are not just um, nice-tos, these are must-haves. Yeah. Um, another thing that we talk a lot about on this show is moving from a nice to have to an essential in terms of a, a service offering. And it's clear from the exclusive deals that you have with a number of the manufacturers, um, but also just frankly, there's these huge, relatively large populations that were otherwise underserved or unserved um, in the marketplace. I want to talk a little bit about the, the growth of Panther Rare. Um, that's actually how I came yeah. to, to be aware of the company is I was looking at the the Inc. Um, 500 lists, and you were just at the top of the list and, and making all sorts of moves. Um, for reference, it said the 2018 revenue was over $720 million with over, um, I'm going to say this, 1,600% three-year growth mm -hmm. rate. Um, in terms of dealing with that growth, like growth is exciting and good and, you know, bank accounts rising is exciting. On the flip side, that pace, that rate of change is something that almost no one in business gets to experience, mm -hmm. has perspective on experiencing. So can you talk a little sure. bit as someone who's had previous companies, had previous successes, how you've managed that rate of change and growth? Yeah. And um, that is, you know, that's the, uh, what I wake up in the morning and deal with and uh, go to bed at night and deal with is a good problem. And that's uh, managing growth. And the short answer is I've created a team here second to none. Pittsburgh is a fantastic place to have a healthcare company, um, especially with all the universities surrounding us and healthcare centers. So there's- Hail to pit. Hail to pit, absolutely. Some of us bleed blue and gold. And, uh, you know, I'm very much have a great deal of allegiance to the university, um, as well as Duquesne, which I graduated from too. Um, but, you know, 
Panther, you have to, to understand Panther, you have to understand um, a little bit about my career before that. Yeah. And, and uh, um, you know, I came uh, from a blue collar family, um, lo- learned the majority of my entrepreneurial skills from my dad who worked in the mill and uh, also had a plumbing business on the side. Um, loved working with him. Was the first uh, child to go to college. Um, started college when I was 16. Um, and I knew it was going to be a long haul. Um, one of the people in our community that was one of the most respected people was a pharmacist. And, you know, I knew I was either going to go into pharmacy or into medicine, uh, went into, loved therapeutics, went into pharmacy, um, went from Pitt to Duquesne, got my doctorate and went on 13 years of education. This all culminated in, and mom and dad, that was their panacea was to have one of their children well-educated. I mean, that's the story you probably hear in Pittsburgh time and time again. Both of my parents were first-generation college students. And it's, it's a, you know, uh, I was in a very fortunate situation. Um, so I come out, um, go back to my alma mater to work um, as a professor, um, setting up clinical services. And while I was there, I was always had this entrepreneurial bent. Um, started with a company while I was still at Pitt called Statlanders. And this was this um, emerging odd pharmacy that was located in Monroeville. And it was doing some unique things because of Dr. Tom Starzl's transplant program. So transplant patients would come to Pittsburgh, um, get this life-saving transplant, and they would be on these unique drugs, go back to whether it's Illinois or California, wherever, because it, that this was where it was occurring. And you know, they couldn't get their drugs. They couldn't get their uh, immunosuppressants. So Statlanders started um, specialty pharmacy. And that's really what specialty pharmacy is. It's a, these are drugs that are very expensive, um, smaller populations, um, higher risk. Um, so we started focusing on that with transplant. Then it moved into HIV. Then it moved into serious mental illness. So Pan- Statlanders grew. Okay. And I was probably, I don't know, one of the first several dozen employees there and started off on the clinical side and moved up into leadership. That company, I was with them through four sales. Um, ultimately, it sold to CVS and the whole industry changed. Specialty pharmacy became a glorified mail order. Um, there was no real customer focus. It was all about efficiency. It was more of a distribution facility than it was a clinical entity. Um, and that's really, uh, you know, I left specialty pharmacy um, when it ultimately sold to CVS uh, several decades ago and went into start eight other healthcare companies. Um, but in 2011 is when I got a call um, from three former students. And remember, my whole career, the one link between it all was Pitt. I've always been a faculty member at Pitt and still am associate dean there. Um, And the reason is because I love working with young talent. I love seeing people succeed. Well, these three, uh, they were out. Um, One was a community pharmacist. I think he had two community pharmacies. One was brand new into his career. And the third one was working relatively new in in a large specialty pharmacy in Pittsburgh. They wanted to, you know, to start a specialty pharmacy and they asked me about it and I just shook my head and I was like, man, this is, 
David and Goliath. I mean, there are such big entities. You have CVS, you have Walgreens, you have Express Scripts, you have these Bright Age, you have these massive entities. And I knew the pressure on specialty pharmacy was very challenging. So we knew we had to find a niche. But I was so excited about working with this young talent. They had so much ambition. They didn't know what they didn't know. So barriers weren't there. Yeah. Um, so we started, we bootstrapped in a big way. Um, this occurred in a, a facility in Beaver County. It was a, you know, we call it the garage. It didn't have air conditioning. It barely passed state, state inspection, um, but we had to start a traditional specialty pharmacy. So we were servicing transplant patients, HIV patients, um, rheumatoid arthritis patients. But, we, you know, my, my senior, my executive vice president was the first employee we had. He was a, he's a pharmacist. And he would go to doctor's offices dropping off brochures. So he would pick up patients one at a time. And, you know, the physicians and the offices were looking for an alternative to these massive entities that were out there where patients and providers were treated um, like numbers. Um, so, you know, we grew the business regionally, uh, but we were always looking for the niche. And, you know, right around 2011, I started to follow a professor at Duke who was leading an initiative um, to introduce, he, he wanted Congress to embrace um, advancing research and products for pediatric patients, right? Um, so the Pediatric Voucher Act came because of him. And I saw this coming. And when you saw the, the Pediatric Voucher Act, what we saw is more incentives for companies to, um, to do research. So we forecasted that this may be an opportunity for us. So we started to build the company in a manner where we wanted to seize an opportunity if it, if it would come this way. 2014 was that opportunity when it was a colleague of mine in a, he used to be in a very big company and big biopharma company. He went to start and work with a small biopharma company. He knew of um, what we were doing and he took a chance on us and we launched our first product. It was a tremendous success because, um, you know, we just all hands on board. We did everything we, everything we possibly could to make it happen. And you have to keep in mind what we were treating was there were babies that were born uh, basically without a skeleton. They don't have an enzyme to calcify it. So their bones are, at childbirth, they're literally crushed. And the vast majority of them die before year one. Um, if they do survive, they're in the hospital with broken bones and it's just, it's a terrible life. Well, this company comes out and finds an enzyme replacement for this, where if we can treat these patients, they basically can live normal lives. And we were the one chosen for that. It was right here in Pittsburgh. And um, since then, um, you know, that was, we launched that in 2015, and we have dozens of products like that now. Um, anything from pediatrics to neurology to um, cancer, um, you know, we're an entity that focuses on what others didn't focus on. And we built the infrastructure, we invested in it. Um, all of our software and systems and people are all centered around treating these small, um, often overlooked populations. Gotcha. So I wanna build back up to where you are right now with Panther Rare. You mentioned the eight companies, yeah. and this is another interesting part of 
um, an entrepreneur's kind of career arc of sorts, which is you start a bunch of things, by no means is everything a home run. Mm. Sometimes you hit singles, doubles, mm-hmm. sometimes you strike out. So if, and, and not to shortchange your career too much, but could we go through those eight, maybe you explain what that company did, um, and then if you, I don't know if you want to give it like an sure. A, B, C, D, E, F grade or how you want to kind yeah. of think about uh, each of those. You know, and I'll only hit, you know, uh, you know, the highlights, the mediocre ones we'll, we'll kind of go over, but I'll also hit the lowlights yeah. too. <laughs> um, you know, right after, right after um, Statlanders, um, I started a company while still at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, I started a company called University Pharmacotherapy Associates, and what I saw was, is a faculty member like myself here in Pittsburgh, um, I was being approached by many drug companies asking, they asked me to speak for them on behalf of their product. It, you know, it felt a little um, dirty, if you would, because, you know, the money was coming from that product, so, you know, to be unbiased, which is the only way you want to be, it, it's tainted just by who's sponsoring it. The whole arrangements, the incentives whole, are wrong. Exactly. So I said, why don't we start a company where um, we coalesce faculty from across the country in different disciplines, cardiology, oncology, critical care, where we basically own the content. Then we sought grants, um, which were an arm's length, and those grants would support us going out and educating the country. So this was it. We ended up being the largest independent um, continuing pharmacy education provider in the country. It grew like wildfire. Um, and we did, that was one component of the business. We also grew another component of the business, uh, which was basically helping. Um, it was a consulting part that helped health plans um, deal with specialty pharmacy products and restructure for this new environment that was coming. So. Think of UPA as continuing education, national-based, and also um, this consulting piece. So UPA grew, but what we saw coming was changes with the OIG in how funding would come and how the biopharma would support programs like this. So although we had a, a tremendous run, I made a ton of connections with a lot of these companies and people, which are, that's what the story is. It's about having friends and colleagues all over the country that like and respect you. So those connections are the reason why Panther took off. Yeah. Fast forwarding. It's all connected. It all connected. UPA goes, um, you know, we decide, I decided to sell parts of that company off and wind parts down. Um, That was UPA. Um, Then, you know, went in and started, you know, a company that consolidated, um, uh, concierge physician practices in Florida because I moved to Florida even though I also had a place here in Pittsburgh. Um, the I winters just, got a little old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because of the CE company I had, I was able to travel all over the country and you were able to see these great places in the middle of this grayness in, in January. So I said, you know what, instead of going down there on vacation, let's come back here for work. So that's what happened. Um, but, you know, we ended up, you know, in a situation where, um, when we got when I got rid of UPA, sold UPA, um, the opportunity arose for this. You know, we saw health systems buying physician practices. We saw this whole consolidation. So that was a company we started, and it quickly sold. 
Um, then we, you know, there was a colleague of mine who wanted to start. She was a, um, a dietitian, and she saw the future and enlightened me, and I saw it too, which was in wellness. So I started a wellness company called Welco Solutions, and we started Welco Solutions in Florida. And again, that got acquired. Um, and then, you know, another company we started was going outside of healthcare was my son, who, uh, again, an entrepreneur, but he was working for a, a financial company in Naples, um, decided that he wanted to go off on his own. So there was this one thing about Florida is people love their pets. They, and they love to have, because it's so warm and nice, this green grass and all this lovely landscape. Well, you got a problem there because you're putting all these terrible chemicals out. It's going into the canals and the Gulf of, Gulf of Mexico. It's poisoning our animals, et cetera. So there was a product that my son licensed in that you literally could drink. Um, it was safe for the animals, but it was very, very expensive, more expensive. So he started a company called Green Care. I started it with him. Um, and we worked together for several years and he grew that company um, until he decided he wanted to go back for his um, graduate degree in business. We sold that company. He goes back, he goes to Duke for his MBA. And that was the end, you know, that was the end of Green Care. We sold that to a company called Arrow. So those were kind of the, the you know, the, the higher end things. On the other side of things, you know, I thought I could, um, you know, you think you're, you have the Midas touch and you quickly realize through failure that you don't. Um, so I got into the restaurant business, couldn't lose money fast enough and, uh, got out of that finally. So, you know, I learned what I don't do. Yeah. Um, we have, it was always cool. You know, we have a saying at, at Piper, it's, I'm not sure which is a worse business food service or food delivery. I don't know if you know <laughs> yeah. the consolidation between <laughs> Grubhub and DoorDash. It's like all the margins there are just completely stretched. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and in Naples, where I live, it was, there are so many fantastic restaurants that, you know, it was kind of a dream, you know, well, wouldn't it be cool to go in one and I love wines and to be able to help with the wine list and, you know, kind of, well, it's much easier just to go in and be a patron and, yeah. and just, you know, so that, that was kind of that, that story. So Panther started, um, I was actually in semi-retirement. Um, I, the only obligation I have was really with the University of Pittsburgh, um, from Florida. And, um, it, you know, in 2011 is when, um, we decided to, to all hands on deck and, and make Panther successful. And its growth has just been unbelievable. Um, it, you know, it's, it's one where you have to keep in mind that in healthcare, there's a lot of rhetoric about how much money is being made. The problem is, is no one's doing, no one has taken a responsible approach to it. Um, you will hear about um, pharma companies making tons of money. You'll hear about PBMs making tons of money. I don't you know what a PBM is. Pharmacy Benefit Management Company. Gotcha. Um, an example of that would be, if you have a card that you take to get your prescription filled, yeah. that's a PBM card. That allows for the adjudication of the claim and for the pharmacy to get paid and you to get a discount on your prescription. Got it. So that's PBM. So you'll hear all this rhetoric about people making all this money. We came in with an approach where we took a very responsible, transparent approach where we said, we are not going to be a problem. We want to be part of the solution. So we actually take limits on our margin we make when we distribute products and manage. 
so that, uh, you know, someday if, uh, uh, you know, anybody, you know, healthcare comes under even more of a microscope, we're held out there as a beacon, not as the bad guy. Yeah. So manufacturers love working with us because of that. One of the reasons. The other one, the reason why they love working with us is because of our focus. Um, you know, again, there's been huge amounts of consolidation in our industry, but what we decided was to focus on this niche that no one was paying attention to. So now Panther in Pittsburgh and across the country is recognized as the rare disease specialty pharmacy period. Um, and that's, you know, that's why we're growing so much. Now you have new product, new biopharma comes out with a new product. Oh, they've heard of Panther. Yeah. You know, they come to us and- Or their know, friends who are probably also in the industry have exactly. good things to say about the experience. And, and the, the other really cool thing are our patients. And, and our patients, keep in mind 30 years ago when there was no internet, these, you may not know of another person that has your disease because there's no connectivity. Now with the internet, we have social media that connects these people all over the world. And not only do they talk about their disease state and their treatments, but they also talk about service providers. And Panther, you know, for, you know, for two years in a row, we were the um, um, specialty pharmacy where we were, we won an award, an independent award saying that patients uh, loved us the best. Um, and we continue to do that because if we don't serve our patients, and that's how we drive business, our patients love working with Panther. And if you have a happy patient, that means that the drug company wants to work with you because they want to be associated with that. That means the payer doesn't look at you adversarial, adversarially. They look at you as an extension of them. They want Panther to be in their network. So that's how Panther exists is because we have these unique drugs where patients absolutely need them. We are fair in terms of how we manage the product, how we manage patients, how we price things. And so we end up being this, um, you know, it, it, it's been a godsend, quite frankly. Yeah. So uh, another question, and we're aiming towards wrapping up here, but a, a couple of things I just want to understand because I um, getting to speak with someone who's had so many entrepreneurial successes is a really exciting opportunity to just kind of understand how you think and process these different moves. Um, when an entrepreneur has these kind of string of wins and whether they're singles, doubles, home runs, whatever, you mentioned these companies selling, there is a, a windfall that comes of that. And even the uh, acknowledgement that you were in semi-retirement before mm -hmm. taking this mm -hmm. on full time speaks to the financial success that has happened as uh, a part of your career. When you think about growing this company or even in the later stage of your career, these different companies, um, a lot of the uh, narrative around these startups is the fundraising, the seed, the series A, the series B, so on and so forth, liquidity, venture investing, that kind of timeline. How has your relationship or your thinking about that part of business building evolved, partially informed by experience, but also partially informed by when you have more in the bank and you're in a different position financially, you kind of get to make some different decisions to that end? Yeah, and that was unique about Panther. My primary objective when we started Panther was to make my three partners successful, um, to, to use my experience and their ambition to create something that was unique and to extend the profession, quite frankly, um, you know, to create something of, that wasn't just a massive distribution facility, but really focused on the care we provide. So 
these partners, um, you know, their their success and every employee that works for Panther, and, and that's that's one of the really cool things about Panther. This is such a great place to work. This is like the Google of specialty pharmacy. Um, you know, you'll walk around here, you'll see people dressed casually. We have yoga, we have food trucks, we have um, flexible schedules. You know, we have a few people that work from home depending upon their... So it, it's it's a really cool place to be. Um, and and that's, that's really important to us. Um, moving on, if you think about Panther and its... It's growth. Um, you know, it, it's one where I, when I started this company and, and was kind of in that semi-retired state, said, I am not going to bring the constraints of external money into this company. So we did two things. One, extreme bootstrapping. Yeah. And two, um, I personally lent money to the company when it needed it. Um, and, and we did that. Um, and not at, you know, at the minimal rate that was possible, et cetera, yeah. but it was all. So I wanted to see this company succeed. Um, and so we have, we have, this is a company that has zero debt. Um, we have no private equity interest, no VC money in. Because they wouldn't have been cool with those lower margin exactly. Uh, commitments. Exactly. Now you keep in mind that, you know, we're a billion dollar, we're well over a billion dollar company now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the top line is, you know, large, uh, you don't have to make massive amounts on the, that, those type of top lines to, you know, to be a responsible company. On the other side, um, the money that we do generate, we reinvest into the company. We reinvest into the training of our associates. We reinvest in how we manage our patients. We reinvest in the software that makes it better, a better ways to manage these patients. So it's, um, you know, a lot of it is reinvestment. And that's because of a personal, um, it, it, we don't have stockholders who are looking for a return. It's because, you know, we collectively make a decision, you know what, this is good for the business. This is good for the patient. It's good for the business. And it continues to grow. Yeah. And that's why, you know, right now, if you look at our industry, uh, Panther is a unicorn. It really is. You know, it's, you contrast us to a CVS, to a, um, a Express Scripts to a Walgreens. Um, these are behemoths. These are the Goliaths. Um, we started as an, you know, who is Panther? What is that? They'll go away. To a, oh, Panther. And now it's, oh, Panther, the rare disease pharmacy, where we actually, um, in our sector, um, dominate. That's awesome. Yeah. Um that is an amazing note to wrap up on, Gordon. Um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Before we ask our standard last two questions, anything else that you were hoping to share today that I didn't give you the chance to? Uh, just a couple things. Um, one is my are my partners. Um, you know, these are the the sheer ambition we talked about. Uh, it is so rewarding to see them develop and grow. The second thing is, it, you know, it's so rewarding to look out the window and see the parking lot. To complete capacity yeah. with with families that um, are dependent upon us, um, these are real people that enjoy being part of Panther, and it's different than any other healthcare entity, you know, around us. So it, it's our associates that really um, drive the success of Panther. It's not driven from this office. Um, we do everything to empower them, um, and they reciprocate by 
delivering to our patients. And, you know, and the third thing is never forgetting, never forgetting where you came from. Uh, the blue collar family, you know, what I learned from my dad, um, the university, and if it wasn't for, you know, my education, I wouldn't have the opportunities I have, um, both from a, you know, my doctorate as well as my, my MBA. And um, that's why I'm so close with Pitt. Um, and I know you guys are both from Pitt and it's, a, you know, um, an entity that um, has given so much to me and um, we've tried to give back to them. And um, that's why we're an educational facility for them. We have um, graduate programs that we help partner with them. Um, we have fellowships that we offer from here. We offer internships here. So it's, um, it really links all parts of my life. And it's um, one where I have two members of my family that work here, which are you know, really cool. That's how much you, know, you believe in it. But we don't want to be nepotistic. So yep. that, you know, they're with uh, another company that I started two years ago called RareMed. It's about a mile down the road. It's a different sector, but it's growing probably faster than Panther. Wow. And I'm sure that'll be a, another segment we can talk about, but it's, um, um, he's over there and my daughter-in-law um, works remotely for here. She's a nurse. Right on. Well, we'll definitely have to do a rare med conversations yep. down the road. Before we let you go and ask those last two questions, I, I wanted to touch on the University of Pittsburgh real quick and the role that you play as an associate dean. And we've had a conversation with Craig Markovitz at CMU about the commercialization or university technology transfer that they kind of work on over there at CMU. Seems like that's a big a, a part of the story of what you're doing at Pitt, which is bringing uh, something of a business perspective, a business education to these very ambitious, very talented uh, phar pharmacy students that don't necessarily know that other side of the business. Yeah. And uh, again, that's why I love being associated with Pitt. It's those young minds that are like sponges. Um, but it's, it's one where at Pitt, um, you, you know, it's, you, you, we're giving back in a manner where a lot of people who have given to me and it's not just financially, but it's also in time. And um, all these people, you know, all these students, all these, uh, you know, young professionals coming out, one of the things I support is a white coat ceremony. So it's when you see the transformation in their career going from, quote unquote, you know, becoming professionals. And it's a very rewarding situation to watch that. Um, but I think that, um, you know, Pitt is, um, when I started, um, there was no such thing as technology transfer. There was no such thing as, as any of this. And fortunately, in, in the recent several years, um, Chancellor Gallagher has really embraced this. So before the university used to give every, you know, would basically want, didn't want anything to do with it. Now they're actually partnering with entities. And that's a really nice thing to see Pitt do. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Gordon, I know that people are going to be fired up to continue following along and learning more about Panther Rare and all the other things you've got your, your hands in. Uh, what digital coordinates can we provide for people that want to learn more about you and the company? Yeah, probably the most important one is um, our website, which is Panther Rare, and that's pantherxrare.com. Uh, there you can actually get on. We have a blog there that's often updated. Um, you can receive a newsletter and sign up, be part of that. Um, you know, we're not a traditional pharmacy, so it's, you know, if you have hypertensive meds, that's not us. Right. Um, you know, we're one where, um, it, you know, if 
if an unfortunate circumstance where somebody has some situation in your family, that's us, you know, that has a rare disease and, and you think about that and we're there to, you know, help in whatever way we can. So the website's one. And through the website, you can find us on all social medias. So, you, you know, you can find all of our links through that website. Um, and, you know, that, that's really the, the, the other thing that I would encourage you to, you know, our listeners to do is really understand, um, begin to understand this rare disease situation, um, how many there are in the circumstances these people go through. And quite frankly, it's going to be the majority of drugs coming out are going to be focused on rare diseases. So it's the future. Um, so you're going to hear more and more about it. Careers are going to be more and more about it, which is good news for everybody. As I've done some reading, and this is once again, I'm shooting way above my pay grade here, but part of the um, expansion of rare diseases, but also this kind of concept of personalized medicine is things that were previously... Uh, believed to be this just kind of like blanket, like, oh, you have this one thing. Actually, if you look underneath the hood, has maybe 20 variations of the same disease. And the reason that primary drug was only 80% effective is because in 20% of those cases, it's the same disease, but the manifestation of it is this 18th um, fragment of the overall thing. So that, that's kind of another way to explain. Yeah. And, and actually it's the newest um, facet of what we do. Um, you know, we've invested heavily into cell and gene therapy. Um, cell and gene therapy is, is a subset of orphan drugs. Okay. It's, um, it, it's one where in some circumstances, they actually take your own cells, change them and put them back in you. In other ones, they actually inject, um, you know, CRISPRs and actually change your genetic makeup. It's all about a scientific better understanding of you. Yeah. Um, and that we're, instead of just introducing these shotgun chemicals to you and hoping they work, um, now we know which, which drug, which biologic works for you individually, where there's not as many side effects and it works optimally. And the cost of these is, are going to be, they are astronomical, but keep in mind, that if we can target um, a drug for one person instead of treating 500 and finding that one person that actually responds best, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a bad investment because we haven't wasted the price of the drug for 490 people. Right. So there, there's a lot of baggage that comes with pricing of this, but everything's going to be expensive. We, I have no control of that. But what I do have control of is how we can help manage those patients and be the best conduit possible. And that's what Panther is. Super exciting. Uh, thank you again so much thank for coming on the podcast. Appreciate we, just, we just went deep with Dr. Gordon Vanskoy. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Thank you. 